It's Thursday, December 31st, New Year's Eve. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Phil Runyon. And tonight we present our annual review of all the new shows aired in 2020. So keep your notebooks handy to jot down the dates and titles that you may have missed so you can find them in the archives. We will try to recall the highlights as we go through the list. Due to the virus during the year, we did our seasonal ceremonies live on the Hermetic Hour with our members as the cast. So if you want to relive the uh, the sacred year, uh, of course, it, 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 was, it was the sacred year and as far as our seasonals were concerned, but uh, it wasn't a very sacred year otherwise, uh, that tune in and celebrate with us. Uh, okay. Let's uh, start back in January. Uh, back, back in January 2020. On January 16th, the Hermetic Hour will present a discussion on the controversial themes and symbols of the medieval Holy Grail legend. We will first establish that the entire concept of Lucifer the Lightbringer is a hoax launched in the Old Testament to cover up Jehovah's palace coup, the war in heaven, and the subsequent exile of Elion and his Elohim, the fallen angels. Next, we will examine the medieval Cathars, their origins and beliefs. And we will consider the survival of Valentinian Gnosticism in southern France and the troubadour courts of love. And we will describe the grail in its hermetic Sabean celestial origin as set forth in von Essenbach's Parsifal. And we will reveal what the physical Holy Grail really was. So if you want to know what those nasty French knights were hiding in their castle, join us on the quest. When I saw what those nasty French knights were hiding in the castle, of course, I'm referring to Monty Python, you know. Uh, you know, remember when King Arthur and Monty and the Holy Grail, he says, I said, you can't say you have a Holy Grail. And the Frenchman looked down and said, yes, we have a Holy Grail, and our Holy Grail is better than your Holy Grail, your stupid English person, you. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's uh, that's January 16th of last year. Uh, yeah, last year. Well, it's not last year yet, but this year. Okay. Beginning magical training in the OTA. This was January 30th. And uh, the Hermetic Hour uh, will present a discussion on the beginning of magical training, which we sometimes call Franz Barden for dummies. And we will certainly concede our debt to Barden and to Crowley, but we will point out our improvements in their programs and explain the psychological and physical factors involved in conjuration, divisible parents, creative visualization, trance states, scrying and channeling, and other skills and techniques the magician needs to master. So, if you really want to know how to do it, remember the wisdom of the Sphinx who said, in order for you to learn our teachings, we must first teach you how to learn. He also said, he who doubts his powers only lends powers to his doubts. And then the next uh, new, new show was the lightning flash on the blasted tower. And that was February 20th, 2020. And uh, 
and we presented a lecture on the lightning flash or the flaming sword on the tree of life and its relation to the blasted tower of the tarot on the 27th path. Now, this was a remarkable synchronicity between tarot symbolism and Kabbalah. In this case, it marks the dividing point of the united soul in its descent down the paths of the tree before the fall. When the house of God is struck by lightning, Eve falls toward Netzach and Adam falls toward Hod on the tarot card. From then on, the human soul is divided. The goddess rules the sphere of nature on the pillar of mercy, and the fool rules the sphere of knowledge on the pillar of severity. And from there on down to Malkuth, they remain divided, united only in dreams. So if you want to know why you can't find your soulmate, tune in and we'll uh, tell you where to look. Now, this, this, this lecture primarily describes the lightning flash uh, down down the tree, and and this is something we hardly ever cons- we hardly ever think about. We we keep concentrating on the serpent going up the tree, and we don't concentrate uh, you know on the relationship to the lightning flash coming down. So this is this is a very interesting in that respect. Now, on February twenty seventh, uh, the idiomotor effect in hermetic magic. On Thursday, February twenty seventh. And we present a discussion on the mysterious idiomotor effect which motivates such divinatory devices as the Ouija board, the pendulum, and the golden dawn ring and disc. And it also it's also related to dowsing rods and to our zero light. Um, although the effect is considered a, scient- a, scient- a scientific rationale for the phenomenon, it in itself is marvelous and maybe more complex and supernatural than the debunkers might imagine. So if you want to learn how to contact your deep mind, tune in and hang out with the pendulum swingers on Thursday. On Thursday, February 27th, the Hermetic Hour presents a discussion on the mysterious idiomotor effect which motivates it. I think we I, I think we got a duplication of the script here. Uh, so uh, let's see the grand key of Solomon the king on March 12th the grand key of Solomon the king and other works translated by Mamduel Dai otherwise known as Nineveh Shadrach Nineveh is a golden dawn adept whom we have known since 1998 when he sent us a copy of his first book that he translated the magical tome of a divine king this was also a Solomonic grimoire in Arabic called the Medicine of Solomon, which was eventually pirated and became the Book of Smokeless Fire. The Grand Key of Solomon the King is commonly referred to as Al-Ajnas and is attributed to Asaf bin Barachim. In Ishtar, in the Ishtar published publishing edition, probably to help Solomonize the work, Arabic editions would have, would be attributed to Asif ibn Barakayan, an Arab version of the same legendary Jewish sage of Solomon's court 
who supposedly wrote the book, it dates back to the 12th century of the Common Era. Not quite as old as Picatrix, but old enough to make it venerable on the magician's bookshelf. Now, I'll be joined by a very honored Frater Sipmap, who has some thoughts on the Book of Smokeless Fire. So, if you would like to spend an hour of study with a forbidden and forgotten lore, then come with us. Now, now I want to point out to you that this, this, uh, this uh, grand key of Solomon the King is remarkable in, in many, many ways. And it has it has further proof of our of our mirror of our dark mirror uh, conjuration method, and I strongly recommend the book. Now, Spring Equinox Nuptia Ceremony live on the Hermetic Hour, March 19th, supporting the national effort to restrict public events in order to suppress the coronavirus. We have moved our annual Spring Equinox Nuptia the Spring Marriage and Communion of the Elements Ceremony, from the Rivendell Hens to the Hermetic Hour. And all our presenters will recite the ceremony on the air Thursday, March 19th. Uh, and we invite all our active and associate members to listen in, and we suggest that you have incense, frankincense, or sandalwood, uh, and a candle and a cup of mead and a platter of wheat crackers so that you may take communion with us. And if you want to see what a Hermetic Communion looks like, review the Rites of Magic, that's our video, which you should, which you all should have a copy of. And let's hope and pray that we don't have to do this for summer solstice, but let's make the best of this alternative. Take care, be well, and uh, you know, happy, uh, happy uh, spring equinox. Now, on April 9th, we did a review on the broth from the cauldron by Kerwin Falling Star. And uh, and she and she joined us in the discussion of her book. Now, Kerwin is a neo-pagan witch who writes historical novels based on her past lives. And she lectures and teaches on shamanic magic, spiritual development, and ecological philosophy. She has joined us in the fair, in Farafarian rituals, and is a leader in the Northern California pagan scene. Brought from the Cauldron is somewhat autobiographical, with most chapters recounting personal experiences, which are almost parables, describing the lessons her life adventures have taught her, from childhood to maturity, living and practicing her craft. So if you would like to spend an hour with the wisest of the witches join us and sip the broth from the cauldron. Now, on Thursday, April 16th, the Hermetic Hour presents its 10th anniversary special. And we have been, we had, we had been on the air weekly for, for 10 years. And, uh, like the seasonal ceremonies of the OTA, the Hermetic Hour is the longest-running periodic, in this case weekly, magical podcast serving the magical neo-pagan community. We stayed the course for a whole decade, and we will continue for another. Tonight's show will be a gathering of OTA's adepts familiar to our regular listeners. Very honored, Frater Memnonides, the Master Philos. Very honored, 
Sharar Ariel, Lady Joe Carson, very honored, Prater Solomon, uh, Michael Johnson, and very, uh, very honored, Prater Sipmet, that's Max, and especially very honored, Sharar Zandria, Laura, who imagined, created the ongoing and, on, and ongoingly produces and edits the Hermetic Hour. She is now officially my better half, and this show is more in her honor than in mine. So if you'd like to celebrate a happy anniversary with us, tune in and get matching. Now, on April 30th, we did Doc Smith's Lensman, the original Jedi. And... Uh, this is by Edward Elmer Smith. They called him Doc Smith, Ph.D., a scientist in the food industry specializing in pastry, whose major accomplishment in food engineering was making powdered sugar adhere to donuts, and whose major accomplishment in science fiction writing was the creation of the subgenre called space opera. His Lensman series and its concepts and themes influenced Frank Herbert's Dune, Roddenberry's Star Trek, and Lucas's Star Wars. It even it re it re it even re-influenced the screen version of one of Smith's inspirations, the 1912 Burroughs John Carter. When Burroughs Therns were rewritten by Andrew Stanton as Smith's evil Edorians, and their medallions given the powers of the Rizian lens. Smith developed the concepts of the multiverse, laser and particle weapons, supercomputers year before, years before they appeared. His concept of the lensman as an incorruptible galactic police force guided by secret masters from a hidden planet seems to have be inspired by Theosophy's ascended masters from Tibet and King Arthur's Knights at the Round Table and the Holy Grail. The Lensmen are obviously the origin of Star Wars Jedi. Another initiator of Smith's was Isaac Asimov with his foundation, the imitator of Smith, was Isaac Asimov and his foundation series. Asimov was so successful with his foundation series that he beat out Doc Smith for the 1966 Hugo Award for the best all-time science fiction series. But at least they declared that Doc Smith's epic was runner-up. So if you would like to look deeper into this and even review what happened when Doc ran, and, uh, ran one of his lensmen for president and how Clarissa McDougall became the first lenswoman, then tune in and activate the lens. Now, following this, on May 21st, we had the twisted history of Christianity, a discussion on the twisted history. A general theme of this presentation is how the distortion of the original principles perverted its mission for the following 2,000 years of world history. We will examine how the Christian religion, which was supposed to bring peace, love, and comfort people who accepted it, brought instead war, hatred, persecution, and despair. We will begin by recalling what Christianity was supposed to be and who Jesus' Father in Heaven really was. 
And we will remember how his wife, Mary Magdalene, and later Bishop Valentine and his follower, Marcus, tried to carry on the original teachings. We will recall how the Roman Church created its inquisition to stamp out the resurgence of original Gnostic Christianity in southern France, where Mary Magdalene and Marcus had, had preached, and how the Roman Church launched a genocidal crusade against the innocent Cathars, killing millions. The Inquisition went on to murder thousands of heretics and witches, while the church bishops exploited the poor and offered salvation for money. Finally, Northern European Christians revolted in a movement called the Reformation, but the Protestants failed to correct the original mistake the Roman Church had made in accepting Yahweh as the father of Jesus and incorporating the corrupted Old Testament as part of the Christian Bible. By the 18th century, all forms of Christianity were challenged by the rise of a new atheistic religion that offered the same promise, peace, love, and comfort. It emerged from the horror of the French Revolution. You can call it socialism, humanism, or communism, but whatever name it goes under, it is actually a Christian heresy. Altruism without salvation. So if you want to know how the early Christians got it wrong and how we can fix it, Tune in, and we'll reveal a real New Testament. Oh, boy. That's pretty controversial. Uh, Next, we followed this with Hermetic Origins of the Sephiri of Zurich, which is also controversial. That was on June 11th. And on June 11th, uh, we discussed the the pagan Hermetic Origins of the Sephiri of Zurich. This ancient book is the philosophical and mystical foundation of the medieval Hebrew Kabbalah, and eventually the Hermetic Kabbalah, which seems to recover its actual origins. It is traditionally attributed by the Hebrews to Father Abraham and was said to have been written by him in Haran, where he is said to have made souls. Now, the Haranians were star worshippers who preserved the star lore of ancient Babylon and eventually joined the Pythagorean Hermetic Magical Tradition. The Sephiroth or Book of Creation, describes how the universe was created by the Word of God using the Proto-Hebrew Phoenician alphabet and the first alphanumeric letter system, which acquired 24 letters to accommodate the entire celestial sphere and the elements. And then became the original of ancient Greek, which passed on its alphanumeric heritage to medieval Hebrew and Arabic. It has even been suggested that the second century Valentinian magician Marcus wrote the earliest version of the Sephiri of Zura. Even Gershom Shalom admits that the philosophy of the Sephiri of Zura is Pythagorean. So if you want to delve into the depths of the mysteries, join us for an hour of speculation on the origins of the book of creation. And this also formed the basis for uh, the last chapter from Shamgar, where he finds the, uh, where he discovers the Jacob's pillar with the Severian Zura inscribed on it.
We'll deal with that later. Now, we on June eighteenth. Uh, we know we said we said we were we were hoping we could do uh, do our seasonal summer solstice uh, out in the hedge, but unfortunately, the COVID and the virus were still with us, and and all the people, you know, uh, requiring requiring uh, social distancing and everything were still with us too, unfortunately. Uh, and so we did a donia on the Hermetic Hour. The Hermetic Hour. Um, broadcast the 46th consecutive annual performance of uh, Summer Solstice Adonia Celebration. Based on the ancient Canaanite Rashamra tablets, the drama depicted the death of the year king, Prince Baal, at the ancient, uh, uh, at the hands of the Dark Lord, on the longest, brightest day of the year, after he had joyously served the dew of heaven to the celebrants at the Golden with a, in a golden goblet that would be remembered as the Holy Grail. He is mourned by his consort, the goddess Astarte, who promises to resurrect Baal and vanquish Moat in the Festival of Seven Gates at Autumn Equinox. This is the second time we have had to perform one of our seasonal rites on the radio rather than in our sacred hedge at Rivendell. But we urge you to view our video version of this event in Rites of Magic, which you can find on YouTube. And then we followed that with an astral journey on the soul travel boat. That was June 2nd. And uh, we revealed the lost initiatory scroll of the soul travel boat, which was written in the early days of the Order of the Temple of Astarte. This lost document was recently rediscovered while we were doing research for the second volume of Hermetic Yoga. And we have decided to release it along with one of the advanced pathworkings that uses the soul travel boat from Malkuth to Hesed via the 29th and 21st paths. So if you want to fly the skies of the astral plane with us, then tune in and climb aboard the soul travel boat. Uh, you can sit those of you who have our pathworking video, you can see the soul travel boat at the end of the, at the end of the video. Um, and then we followed this with the Rose of Paracelsus, which is a doorstopper of a of a book by Leonard Picard. And this was on August sixth. On Thursday, August sixth, the Hermetic Hour presents a review of William Leonard Picard's magisterial novelized biography, The Rose of Paracelsus. Now, this 650-page masterwork is already considered literature by the academic community. Like Mallory's Morta Arthur, The Rose was entirely written in prison. It recounts Picard's academic, scientific, and extra-legal career from the early 1960s until his arrest and subsequent imprisonment in 2000. It's beautifully written, fast-paced, and well-structured. It is subtitled on Secrets of Sacraments, which aptly des describes what it delivers. Picard was not only a psychedelic alchemist, he was also an intelligence asset. Uh, preferred to be referred to as a researcher, for the Ivy League think tanks and indirectly for government agents. So conspiracy theories, 
and even UFO buffs will be pulling quotes from the Rose Paracelsus for the next decade. Picard connected with an international network of psychedelic alchemists and visited each in a world tour that reads like a James Bond adventure. Returning to the U.S., he visited his mentor, the venerable psychedelic sage Sasha Shulgin, who warned him against a demonic cultist who inhabited an abandoned underground missile base used for, for as an LSD laboratory and an orgiastic temple. But like a character in a Richard Shaver or a Satch Romer story, Leonard Picard was lured into this hellish underworld where psychedelics were used to enslave and abuse young women. And because this cult had better government connections than Picard, he was set up to take the rap for their criminal activities. He was given two life sentences in federal prison. Fortunately, he has just been released, and we hope he will be listening to this broadcast. So, uh, uh, as we said, turn on, tune in, and learn what's under the rose. And uh, by the way, he based this, he based the title on uh, Rosa Paracelsus, which uh, uh, was originally developed in, in, as an essay based on earlier alchemical writings by by Thomas de Quincey, you know, who wrote Confessions of an English Opium Eater. And, and then uh, uh, this, this in turn got picked up by Jorge Luis Borges, you know, the, the, uh, the Latin American uh, fellow who liked, to, who liked to, you know, retell, uh, to retell uh, uh, stories from Richard Burton and, 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 and and actually, you know, Jorge Luis Borges is a very, very good writer, but uh, but he he likes to re- he likes to retell other people's stories, and he did the reason Rosa Paracelsus. So you might want to check the Rosa Paracelsus out and Jorge Luis Borges if you have that book. Uh, and we developed a version of it ourselves uh, uh, about how to do it uh, catalytically, and 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 uh, uh, that's going to probably become one of our training exercises. Okay, following this, a last chapter from the Book of Shamgar, and that was August 27th. And this this relates to our to our description of the uh, of the uh, um, of Zura, you know, the uh, the Greek original Greek version of the Sephiroth Zura. On Thursday, August 27th, we'll present a newly discovered last chapter from the Book of Shamgar which describes how the purple dragon and the prophet Bezek found the stone pillar of Jacob, upon which was inscribed Father Abraham's Book of Creation, the Sephiroth Zura. After fighting off bandits and the spells of a witch, they brought the sacred stone back to the tabernacle to take its rightful place beside the Ark of the Covenant to ensure Samshamgar his election as judge for the tribe of Judah and this controversial document suggests that the Jewish tradition of Abraham's authorship of the Zephyrian Zura is correct and also implies that he was the originator of the alphabet. So if you like ancient mysteries, tune in and we'll open up the 32 gates of wisdom. This is, a, this is kind of an Indiana Jones kind of thing. And, and uh, we turned it, uh, you know, 
we based it on our on our essay on on uh, on the origins of the of the suffering of Zurich, uh, and we will be publishing it uh, in, in the new seventh ray coming out, the new omnibus issue. Uh, so, we're, creative freedom and hermetic philosophy was our next broadcast on September tenth. And uh, we will discuss the nature of God in the hermetic corpus and the concept that all humans are gifted with speech literacy, but only those who answer the call have the mind. This is a form of spiritual elitism more exclusive than Christian salvation, but more reflective of human nature. We will trace the history of hermetic study and the practice of the Western world, its influence on Freemasonry and Western culture. We will examine its distortions, which have given rise to the evils of the Illuminati and communism. So tune in and we'll discover how to empower your dreams. And then following that, uh, we're still in the, we're still in the, under the under the uh, the COVID uh, under the curse of the. <laughs> uh, what you know, what has been jokingly called the Kung flu, in uh, the OTA's Fall Equinox Festival of Seven Gates live performance, September 24th, and on Thursday, September 24th, the Hermetic Hour will present a live broadcast of the Festival of Seven Gates, a start day's descent into the underworld to resurrect Prince Bao. This is our 46th annual performance of this ancient autumn equinox rite, which was inspired by Ishtar's descent and Princess Salome's dance of the seven veils. Tune in and celebrate with us. Astarte says to the Dark Lord, seven veils are left behind me on the gates through which I passed. Seven treasures given dearly, but I freely yield the last. For my hidden veil is darkness where the final secrets lie. In thy pride thou hast forgotten, even death must surely die. And then up comes the seventh ray omnibus issue, November fifth, uh, uh, twenty twenty. We are finally going to publish the seventh ray omnibus issue, which we have been heralding for twenty years, reprinting the old journals from nineteen seventy through seventy two through nineteen seventy eight. The Seventh Ray book, let's see, uh, book four, Omnibus Issue, The Violet Ray, is a time capsule buried to preserve a record of the formative years of the OTA from 1970 to 1978. America's longest running ceremonial magic lodge, the Order of the Temple of Astarte, the Seventh Ray Journal was resurrected at the turn of the century in a new format running for three issues from book one to book three in 2011. Now we are unearthing the time capsule and bringing back the originals in facsimile to be studied and enjoyed by a new generation of magicians. In the pages of the old seventh ray, you'll find articles by William G. Gray, Frederick Adams, Jeffrey James, Louis T. Culling, David G. Kennedy, and Janine Renee. And the first publication of Jack Parsons' Freedom is a Two-Edged Sword. 
you'll find a history of the OTA along with the return of the grail in the age of Aquarius and trisecting an angle with a pentagram and those rib-tickling cartoons. So watch for it and prepare to return to the thrilling days of yesteryear when Simon King and the Witches chanted, Magnetic Electric, Magnetic Electric, Magnetic Electric. Okay, now, on December 3rd, Renaissance astrologer Guido Bonatti, and that was with with uh, His Grace Michael Beeson, and uh, I say His Grace because Michael Beeson is... is Michael Beeson is uh, a fighter. Suan is a uh, is a bishop, you know, in, in the in the uh, liberal Catholic Church. And on Thursday, December third, twenty twenty, the Hermetic Hour with host Pope Runyon will welcome very honored fighter Suan Michael Beeson, the host wizard of YouTube and and BitChute's Hacking Fate. In a discussion of the 13th century master astrologer Guido Bonatti and his significant contributions to Renaissance astrology, which is the practical philosophy behind Hermetic magic. So, if you want to make the Picatrix work for you, tune in and take notes. And on Thursday, December 3rd, the Hermetic Hour with Host of Runyon will welcome Yeah, we're doubling up on that again. Okay, now. Following this, Rivendell, the House of Magic, December 10th, 2020. On Thursday, December 10th, 2020, the Hermetic Hour with host Pope Runyon will present a report on Rivendell, our church and order headquarters in Silverado, California, where we have our magical temple and outdoor hinge. Rivendell just survived its second year disaster in this century, this last week. Thanks to the god and the goddess, angels Raphael and Mikael, Peralta and Zephyrus, the Silks and the Salamanders, and our local fire department, we at Rivendell and uh, Rivendell self survived without damage, while 17 other homes in our town were destroyed. So this week, the Hermetic Hour will honor and appreciate its home and give a history of the place and its unique and its unique community. So, if you want to find out about America's magical headquarters, tune in, and we'll be your tour guide. And that that concludes the um, of the new material for this year. And. Uh, and I hope that uh, I hope that uh, that any of these that you that that you missed that you would like to hear. I hope you hope you took some notes. And and uh, um, if not, if not, you can go back and you can listen to this. You go on the archives. You go back and listen to this again and take some more notes. And then and again, then go back, go back and and, and catch up on the stories that you that you missed. Now. Uh, Next week, which will be in the new year, 2021, we are going to do a review on a very, very, very interesting book, and a book that's right along the line with a lot of what we're doing. And the book is The Lost Pillars of Enoch by Tobias Churton. Now, this 
of course, is is a very very hermit, very much of a hermetic theme with with Enoch, and and Tobias brings in all of our favorites, you know, the hermetic Sabians, and and he brings in John Dee, and 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 and, uh, and the whole uh, legend of the of the pillars from before the flood, starting with Josephus, of course, and and. Uh, and uh, let me let me just uh, see how we're going to re- review it. I want to say this though: Tobias Churton does not know how to write a bad book. This is a, this is a great book, but he has he has accomplished something that is kind of unique: how to write a book about Atlantis without ever mentioning Atlantis. And of course, he manages to do that. And and the obvious the reason that the reason why he doesn't mention Atlantis is. Because Tobias Churton is an academic, and academics and Atlantis, and that that's the most politically incorrect thing that an academic can can possibly mention. That's the A word, and you never use it. And 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 but he's not the only academic that's written books on Atlantis without using without ever using the, the word, uh, because this all got started off by 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 uh, De Santa Anna and Hertha Van Decken back in the night in 1979 with Hamlet's Mill. And they, and they never mentioned Atlantis at all. So, uh, and I don't think Hapgood mentioned it either. So, however, even though, uh, even though he, um, even though Tobias does not mention Atlantis, that doesn't mean this isn't a good book. He skirts all the way around it, but you can read between the lines. Uh, and anyway, let me read you the. Uh, we still have a little time left. Let me read, read you the uh, promo that um, that uh, Inner Traditions has on this. Esoteric tradition has long maintained that the dawn of human civilization there existed, there existed a unified science, religion, and the spiritual grasp of the universe in our place in it. The biblical Enoch also known as Hermes Trismegistus, Thoth, and Oridris, was seen as the guardian of secret knowledge, which was inscribed on pillars known as Enoch or Seth's pillars. Examining the idea of the last pillars of pure knowledge, sacred science behind Hermetic philosophy, Tobias Churton investigates the controversial Jewish and Egyptian origins of Hosika's famous story, The Seth's Descendants, inscribed knowledge on two pillars to save it from a global catastrophe. He traces the fragments of this sacred knowledge as it is descended through the ages into initiated circles influencing civilization through hermetic, Gnostic, Kabbalistic, Masonic, Hindu, and Islamic mystical knowledge. He follows the path of the pillars and the fragments through Egyptian alchemy and the Gnostic Sephites and Kabbalah and the medieval mystic Raymond Lowe. He explores the arrival of Hermetic manuscripts, the Renaissance Florence, the philosophy of Copernicus, Pico della Mirandola, Giordano Bruno, and the origins of Freemasonry, including the revival of Enoch and Masonry in Scottish Rite. He reveals the centrality of the primal knowledge of Isaac Newton, William Stuckley, and John Dee, and William Blake, resurfacing as the tradition of Martinism, Theosophy, and Thelema. Churton also unravels what Josephus meant when he asserted that one Sephite pillar still stood in the Syriatic land of Sirius worshippers.
uh, that's that, that that's uh, Egypt, and of course the Egyptians were serious worshippers. They, they 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 took their worshiping seriously, uh, showing how the lost pillars uh, stand up as 21st century symbols for for, for uh, retaining our heritage. Clinton, uh, Churton ultimately reveals how the esoteric strands of religion unite in a Gnosis that could offer a basis for reuniting religion and science. Well, that's quite a mouthful. And, but it is, this book is very, very well worth examining, and especially with the, uh, the Egyptian alchemists of uh, Zosimus. And, and uh, so we'll get into all of that next week. And until then, Happy New Year and uh, good magic.